0: Well, I hope you come ready to to eat today. Ready for some word? Now, I don't mean physical eating. I know everyone's on a diet right now. <laughs> a couple weeks that'll be over, right? <laughs> All right. If you brought your Bible with you today, let's go over to the 23rd Psalm. Psalm 23. Today, I want to begin a new series of messages, and it just worked out really well with the other one ending, how it's the new year as well. So, uh, new year, new message, and I believe we can set some things in order today and, and the next few weeks. That will be a, a foundation for this entire year that will uh, help us to experience God's best and walk closely with Him and, and develop and mature and grow. And, and I want to begin in Psalm 23 today. It's not going to be my text of the, the series that we're in, but it's kind of the text of the intro to the intro, all right? And then I'll move on from there. But I, I want to share this for a reason. Psalm 23 in verse 1 reads, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And of course he goes on to say some other good things about how the Lord leads us and provides for us and grace and mercy being after us and and a lot of good stuff there. But I want you to consider this. We sometimes read over scriptures that we've heard before and don't give them much thought. But the Bible says, "The Lord is my shepherd." Now, Shepherd, we know, is the the guy who takes care of the sheep, right? And we don't see a lot of that in our in our society here. But the words in the Bible that are translated shepherd are also, also could be translated pastor. It would be right and accurate for us to read this scripture and say, the Lord is my pastor, I shall not want. And that's really what the word pastor means. And we're, we're, we're familiar with that language because of uh, people like myself who pastor churches but it 's a, it's a picture of the shepherd and the sheep, and how God will will use a shepherd to lead people to lead them into green pastures and provide and, and bring safety and, and that, that type of thing. so the Lord is our pastor, but how many know one of the ways that the Lord pastors us as individuals is he has put his spirit upon certain individuals individuals like myself and, and many others, that God calls and gifts and anoints to shepherd or pastor people. And it is the Lord's work through them, of course, to whatever degree they do it like He would do it. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, but that's how He does it. And so if I can see that the Lord wants to pastor me, And the result of that is He leads me into a safe place, a place of provision, a place of abundance where I'm fed and taken care of. You know what I mean? Uh, If that's the result of that, that also should be the goal of those who are pastoring under the Lord's pastorate. Those, those like myself who are endeavoring to lead and feed and protect and guide the, the people of God, that should be the end goal that they end up in a good place, not a bad place. They end up protected and helped and, and provided for. Okay? And on that basis of, of that being my job, that I lead people where they should go, where a place that'll be helpful and healthy to them, I want to begin this new series. All right, I want to begin to talk to you about I'm going to talk about faith, I'm going to talk about uh, giving, I'm even going to talk about money. All right, <laughs> I am going to, I'm gonna I'm going run the risk of being all accused of ulterior motives. I'm gonna put myself right out there. But I know that what I have to say is going to help some people tremendously. And it is going to turn some light. I, I know there might be a few people that get mad at me, but I'm going to risk it. All right? I have ushers who will keep you back. Back off. I'm trying to get you to a green pasture here. But I need to say some things. This is not low fat milk come on now, this, I want to get into some stuff here. This is, I want to get into some some real, real good Bible stuff, not going to water it down. It's not a seeker-friendly message. It is the Word and the will of God, and the end result is really, really good. So I want to go over to Acts chapter 20. I'm kind of approaching this like, like the Apostle Paul did. He wrote to the Philippians, you might remember the fourth chapter of Philippians, he was talking to them about their giving, and about their offerings. He said, not that I desire a gift, but I desire uh, that fruit, the fruit that abounds to your account. I desire fruit that abounds to your account. And so there's a way, there's a reason why fruit, or being the result of something, abounds to people's accounts, and there's a reason why it's not, and we need to understand these principles. Okay, at the end of the day, uh, no one's going to take or pressure or even ask you for a dime. All right. But we will all have the ability to walk in God's blessings. All right. Does God have a plan for your finances? He really does, and it's a good one. And the blessing of God goes beyond the fi- goes beyond finances, but uh, it's a good plan. It's not like the world thinks. It's not like the fleshly mind thinks. But it does produce a very, very good result. In Acts chapter 20, we have a statement here, a quotation from Jesus that actually we don't find written in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but we know from John that Jesus said and did much, much more than was ever written down. They quoted this here. Well, just read the whole verse. I have shown you, verse 35, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Say that last part out loud with me. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. Amen. And, and so these are the words of the Lord Jesus. Let, let's, let's examine this for a moment. What does it mean to be blessed? Is that just a, a nice phrase like, have a good day, you know, be blessed. These things are used. When, when, I, when I find these things used in, in the Bible and in Scripture, I tend to think that they're not just there as, as hey, see you later, have a good one, you know, knuckle bump. And, uh, no, that they actually have real meaning. And real, real impact on our lives. To be blessed, some of the words used in definition would be fortunate or well-off, happy. Um, when someone is blessed, they are added to as opposed to diminished or taken, taken from. When you are blessed, we might say it this way, things just work. I don't know if that's appealing to you at all, but that is appealing to me. I don't like to put a lot of time, energy, money, effort into things and they fall flat and they don't work. The blessing of God makes things work in all areas of life. Okay, okay? it's not just your finances, but relationships, work, health, marriage, everything the blessing of God wants to affect. I think it's interesting how the Amplified Bible amplifies out this word blessed. You'll see it commonly in that translation if you've read it. It says, makes one happier and more to be envied. Makes one happier, I think we're all for that, and more to be envied. Well, that's interesting. That would be a good question for us. Does anybody want your life? Do your friends, your associates, your people you come in contact with, does anybody see you and say, Man, I I would like to just be them. (laughs) I I would like to have their life. Look Look at how things are going for them. Look at their family. Look at their whatever. And they have a desire to be like you or to have what you have, to have the experience of life that you're having. I know it's kind of a deep thought, but listen, if there's none of that... Good news, we've got some way to go. I mean, we've got some blessings from God to experience. He wants to take us up. He wants to take us higher to the end result. Not that, I mean, of course, we're not supposed to be that towards other people. I'm not encouraging covetousness or or envy and th- those kind of things where we're doing that towards other people. But as far as others are concerned, you know, that's their business. You know, as far as if they want my life. I mean, they can't have it, but... <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it's a good thing... For the people who love God and want to serve God, their life is so good that others look at them and say, what is happening here? What is going on? What is it about your life that works? Because we have a good answer, right? It's not, it's all about me. I was just born that way, you know? I'm just, you know, just good looking. And uh, no, I mean, no, we're going to say it's, it's the blessing of God. I don't get any credit for this. I have sinned. I have fallen. I didn't deserve this. But God has been good to me. His blessing is on my life. And so that's what it means to be blessed. Sometimes I get a clear understanding of a word by looking at the contrast to it. What about the word cursed? When you look at at the word cursed, I know we, we don't often use that type of language in our vernacular today. Certain societies did more. When something was falling apart or going wrong, they would say that, that's cursed. It's not blessed, but it's cursed. And when something is cursed, you you know, it's Something that's afflicted with harm, it's evil spoken of, it's things that fall apart. Nothing really works, alright? So the opposite would be the blessing of God, and that's what we're talking about. So going back to our, our verse here, is it blessed to receive? Is, is it a blessing to receive, well, it is a blessing i don 't think we really need convinced about that I mean if I put a hundred bucks in your in your hand, you know that old the old pentecostal handshake uh, you 're blessed right? You know immediately I can do something with this. I can pay for my food or, or, or I am blessed in receiving i don 't think we ha- we have to uh, you know, explain that any further. We all know that is a blessing. And and we don't have to call it anything but a blessing. We don't have to act like it's not. It is a blessing. But what we want to learn is the better ways of God. Jesus said it is what well, more blessed. That's the title of my new series, more blessed. And we want to get beyond, because thank God for receiving. And I tell you what, if you get into the greater blessing of God, the more blessed life. Receiving is 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 going to be a part of your, your existence on an ongoing and continual basis. But we get our focus on what's better than that. And we live in a life of greater blessing, and that is to be on the giving side. So it is blessed to receive, it's just more blessed to give. And I tend to think that... The reason this is written is in part because people will not be as quick to recognize that they're better off giving the $100 than receiving the $100. We don't quickly recognize that that is the case, but we often think, no, I'm just happy when I get something. But this is the wisdom of God. It is not the way your flesh will think. It is not the way the carnal mind will think, okay? Okay. Truth. This truth will run contrary to your flesh. I'm likely to annoy a few people along the way here. I'm likely to expose the God of money. But it's not to the end result of you and I being poor and being without. Just the opposite. But we've got to pull down these things that have you know, been exalted in our minds where we live for the thing. And you know, the flesh is selfish. It is conscious only of my needs. You know, what about my needs? It's looking out for number one. What can you do for me? Or or what have you done against me? The fleshly person or the carnal person, those thoughts run continuously through their thinking. Whereas the person who gets into the higher way of living, the more blessed life, they literally have thoughts going through their mind of what can I do to improve someone else? What do I have that I can give? Not, do I have enough to pay my bills and and meet my needs? Their mind, their their thought goes beyond that. Do I have enough to finance a ministry? To help a person in need? And that person is entering into a more blessed, they live a more blessed life. This is God's plan. And I know there's going to be a lot of thinking by... uh, But by people in various situations, sometimes someone is so caught up in their own circumstance and I just don't have enough hearty to get through tomorrow and, and my needs are this. But that is the very thing that keeps us out of the blessing of God. When our mind is thinking, how can I pay for this for me? How can I take care of my need? God thinks just the opposite. And when you get into the more blessed life, those things take care of themselves say, so, well, that sounds kind of hard uh, on your flesh. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 can, it can give us some, some flesh trouble. But a spiritual person is one that enters into the full blessing of God. Let me say it this way. It takes a spiritual person. Because by its very nature, it's not the center of one's focus. When someone is a spiritual person, that means I'm talking about in a mature way here, Uh, they have not set their focus and their attention on getting stuff. It doesn't mean they don't have stuff. They might have more than anybody else. Okay, But they have not set their attention on getting stuff for themselves. That is one of the definitions of someone who is not fleshly and carnal, but they have matured. I know some might think, well, you know, if you teach prosperity and that kind of stuff... You know, that's just teaching people to be materialistic and, and, uh, you know, get into materialism. No, 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 no. Actually, just the opposite. True Bible prosperity does not exist in the realm of someone who is focused on material things. True Bible prosperity has its foundation in desiring to give, in desiring to bless, to finance ministry, to make our world better, and then it kicks back. If someone, if if all someone is, they're talking about biblical prosperity, and all their discussions about the things they're getting, they've missed the point. Even though the the person who has got the right and proper focus, they do frequently end up with stuff. But they could care, they could care less about it. You know, that's just it's no big deal. It's not what they live for. And this is a higher way of living. It's better on the soul. It'll make one happy. It'll make one fulfilled and satisfied in life. And it will also, also produce a blessed life in many areas. All right, go with me to Luke 16. Now, when you talk about money, when you talk about finances, understand this. Let's get a a big picture view here. There's a lot of different Bible subjects that are of great value. I love to teach on a lot of things and thankful for the knowledge I have. But you can take subjects like prayer, and there are individuals, I didn't actually do the counting, but individuals who have gone through and, and have calculated that there are over 500 verses in the Bible on prayer. And there are those who have calculated that there are nearly that many on the subject of faith. And thank God for those subjects. But when you come to the subject of finances and possessions, there's over 2,000 verses. Even the parables of Jesus, in 16 of his 38 parables, he was dealing with what, with this very issue. I think that's amazing. It's the thing that often preachers are most afraid to talk about, because it's the most uncomfortable, that and, you know, sex and stuff. But, uh... But, but people get uncomfortable with it. Yet, when we look at Scripture, it's massive. This is a really big topic. I'm kind of thinking we need to get this. Amen. I'm really thinking we should have a firm grasp and understanding of God's heart and attitudes towards our giving. Amen. One reason I think it probably is dealt with so, so much, not because God just likes to talk about it so much, but because we potentially have such an issue with it it goes down to the to the the root of people's lives when you talk about their when you talk about their money and their possessions and their giving man that's me that's what i work for people fight over it and you know someone passes away and there's lawsuits and fights and everything over over the estate uh, i mean that's why the scripture says over in uh, paul wrote to timothy and said the love of money is the root of all evil he didn't say money was evil, but He said the love of it is. And you can see how it's a, it's a big problem, but yet necessary for all of us. And when I see the Scriptures, I see God promising it to me again and again and again. So I've just got to have His perspective. And I think the reason it's dealt with so much in Scripture is because of that very possibility of, a, of it making or breaking us. Now, one of the things that Jesus had to say here is in Luke 16. And I want to begin, i read several verses here, beginning in verse 1. Everybody got it? Everybody ready to go there? Luke 16, and he also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of the stewardship, for you can no longer be steward.'" Then the steward said within himself, What can I do? For my master is is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he's looking out for himself here in this way. So, So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly and write fifty. In other words, cut your bill in half. Then he said to to another, And how much do you owe? And he said, uh, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Okay, so that's the story, and then Jesus goes on to give the next give the teaching based upon this story told, verse 9, and I say to you. This is what Jesus is saying now. I say, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. Now just think of that for the time being as as riches. We know that money inherently is not good or bad, uh, but that word mammon does come from that word that means riches. Make friends by unrighteous mammon that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Now this is Jesus' instruction to us, to his disciples, to us about what we should do with unrighteous mammon. He said, use it to make friends for yourself. So that when you fail or when you die, they'll receive you into an everlasting home. What this is talking about is using our finances for an eternal value. He's talking about using it for an eternal purpose. Most of us, we spend money on things that are, you know, they're not bad or anything like that. But they don't have eternal value. They're not going to impact someone else being in heaven. He says, when you do this, you make friends with it, or you use this for the gospel, for eternal purposes, they're going to welcome you into heaven someday. I mean, think about this. This is a reality that some of us, we're going to be walking around in heaven. Someone's going to come up to us and say, Hey, you gave, and I'm here. You gave, you enabled, you supported, you gave of your life, you gave of your resources, and the end result is I heard the gospel, and I got saved, and here I am today. Amen. This is powerful. Jesus went on to say in verse 10, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Now, I want you to consider this for a moment. First of all, we know the principle is here that really encompasses many areas of life, that if a person is Faithful in one area, that's a lesser responsibility, then they'll, then they'll be faithful in an area of greater responsibility. We could say it regards to our, our finances, if I'm faithful with ten dollars, I'll be faithful with a hundred dollars. I'll be faithful with a million dollars. It's, it's not correct for someone to say, well, I don't have much now, but if I had a million dollars, this is what I would do. And Well, I'm leaning towards you would do the same thing with a million that you'd do with ten. I know that wasn't real popular, but uh, I mean, I'm just going to have to go with Jesus here. If you're faithful with a little, you'll also be faithful with much. But if you're not faithful with ten bucks, you're not going to be faithful with a million. Okay, I'll move on then. Uh, uh, Therefore, if you have not been faithful, verse 11, in the unrighteous mammon, Who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now, you should note that that phrase there, true riches. And if you have not been faithful with what what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Now, Now, think about this. Jesus here is telling us, talking to us about faithfulness with what is called least versus much. And then he calls what is least... The unrighteous mammon, your possessions, riches, so forth, and what is much, true riches. Do you hear what he's saying here? He's saying this whole money thing, this whole giving part of our life, this giving for eternal purposes and values, this is least. This is the bottom rung. This is the starting point. This is not the deep things of God. This is not the greater areas. This is not the areas of life where, you know, sometimes people will say, I, you know, I've moved beyond, you know, the babyhood state of Christianity, and I'm, I've moved into the deeper things of God, and I'm, you know, flowing out there, and and all the No, 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 no. Many times I've seen people like that that think they are so deep, so mature, so well-grounded, and they haven't even gotten the money thing settled in their life yet. They haven't even become regular givers and tithers and that kind of stuff, and yet they're so much deeper than everybody else. I'm going to go with the words of Jesus and say, Dude, you're in the nursery, and you just don't know it. You want to experience the true riches, and I do too. Man, I want the better stuff. I want something that's way better than a nice uh, set of clothes or a nice vehicle or a nice. I want the true riches. I want the real thing. I want the very presence and glory of God in my life. Everybody with me? But we want that. This is the bottom rung here. How could I be faithful with something that is much more important, much better than measly old material, temporary possessions? If I am not going to be faithful in the little things, you say, well, that, you know, that tithing and stuff—that's that's kind of a big thing. No, it's not. Stop saying that. It's a little thing. It's the least of these things. Don't make it a god in your mind. Don't make giving a god. Don't make these things uh, as, as a hard thing. No. Bottom level, Amen. Now, now let, me, let me let me throw something else out there while we're talking. Uh, I think what happens many times the way we look at stuff, and this this will kind of get a lot of us because it's it gets me. I mean, as far as some things I've done in the past, but many times people have the idea that when they get to a certain level financially material in their life, they will be able to give at that point. In other words, when I get, see, I'm living check to check, when I get this pay raise, that then I'll have extra and I'll be able to give. Or, you know, thinking more grandiose, when I strike the jackpot and I get all this money, then I will become a giver. I'm going to do a lot of good things with that. Here's the the problem with this type of mentality. It is completely excluding God from the equation. If If my commitment is to be a giver when it's not going to affect my life at all, when I do not have to trust God at all, when His promises can be totally not true, He can be gone as far as I'm concerned, then I'll give. And I call that faith? I call that trusting God? I call that honoring Him? Come on now. If you got that, that kind of stung. You didn't get it. When we give, I'm talking to giving to the ministry, giving to the church here, giving to other people, multiple areas of giving. When we give... Is it something that we have calculated that we can give and live with? In other words, we won't notice it being gone. In other words, God does not have to come through for us. There need not be any any supply as a result of God's promises to us to fill the void. Or do we only give when we, quote, can all right, I'm being real quiet. but See, here's what, I'm, here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I think is very important. That we get in a position where we trust God. Where we're actually living by faith and not just saying it. It's one thing to live by faith, or say, I live by faith, when all is well and there's nothing to exercise it on. It's another thing to step out of the boat and onto the water, and if God doesn't show up, you're sinking. And I'm not saying to do things like that flippantly, you know. I'm not saying just to start writing checks for money you don't have and God will show up. (laughs) I'm not talking about being, I'm talking about being led by the Spirit. I am talking about taking God at His Word and taking steps of faith. But that's when we bring God on the scene. If we don't do that, the blessing in our life will be the limitation of what we're able to produce. You might be a good budgeter, and you might have be able to plan things out, and you might be able to live a a good life. I mean, that's the blessing of God too, to some degree, uh, and that might. Be, but that'll be the extent of it. And I'm telling you, there's much more. There is so much more available to us where we get beyond what we can do, and we tap in to the material blessing and favor of God where it comes to us and things we do just succeed. And we get in situations where, man, I'm sure glad God's on the throne because if He's not, I'm in trouble. But you know you heard from Him. But you know you're doing what's right. You know you're in the right place. And so you thank Him. Thank you, Lord. This is going to be a good one. People are going to want my life after this. <laughs> People are going to... They're going to be drawn to this because this is your blessing. Undoubtedly, your blessing in my life. Amen. If I were to just throw a number out there, I think this whole issue of of giving and living a more blessed life gets to the heart of issues beyond finances. It's a hard issue that affects so many areas of life. If I were just to throw a number out there, I'd probably say nine out of the ten, nine out of ten Christians that I meet that live perpetually from problem, from problem to problem to problem, this is one of, This is their biggest issue. And yet we want to fix it in so many other ways. But at the heart of this issue is, this belongs to the Lord. And I honor Him with it. But not, not just that. It's not just a matter of outward action. I trust Him with it. I trust Him with my tithe. I trust Him with my stuff, with my giving, that He is providing and able to provide for me in a much better way than I am able to provide for myself. You know the the best and number one expression of someone who loves. You probably have an idea because of the topic here. But remember John 3:16. It reads for God so loved the world. What did he do? He gave. He gave when we're really operating in the love of God, that's what happens when a person gets born again. And there is a deposit of God's love on the inside. They immediately want to stop thinking about all of my needs, all of my stuff. Mine. They immediately start want to start helping someone else. They want to help someone else get into heaven. Man, They want to help someone else uh, get food on their plate, Whatever whatever the need may be. But that's the way that God is. He loves and He gives. And that's the way that we are to be. Now I want to finish with this thought today. And we'll pick up and we'll get into some good stuff going forward. But we are blessed by faith. I say that in a specific way on purpose. We are not blessed because we give. And that might, not, that might seem confusing. The Lord has already blessed every one of us in Christ. And there is nothing we can do to add to that it's not like if I pay God off, He'll bless me. If I, He's wanting me to give a little bit more and then I'll bless you. I am blessed because I believe in the finished work of the cross. That Jesus was made poor, that I might be made rich. But listen, and I have a series, you can go listen to it, uh, taught it two years ago called Faith for Finances. Didn't deal much with the giving side, but Faith for Finances. Now watch. Here's the kind of faith I'm talking about, though. Trusting God for His blessing in your life is not a passive, idle, do-nothing type of faith. It is not a dead faith. It is a faith that's alive and active. And so, if I am trusting God for His blessing to manifest and show up in my life... My faith is exercised in this area through giving. So what produces God's blessing? My giving? No, by believing. But giving is, a, is an outwork. Giving is an outwork, a natural outwork of believing in God's faithfulness to provide for me. If I'm afraid, if I have doubt, I'm holding on to everything i got, man. But if I have confidence that He is El Shaddai, that He is the God who's more than enough and He wants to meet and supply my need and fulfill my desire, then giving is not an issue. When someone's 100% gods, 10% is nothing. And so this is where we're going with this. We are going to walk in the blessings of God by faith. And the Lord is leading us and showing us how that faith is lived out. How that faith is exercised. How that faith is released. Amen. Amen.